My name is Angel Halstead. I'm the pastor here at Mosaic Community Church, and we welcome you to our Sunday service. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. situation. 
We can expect God to do what God says. Join me in lighting the hope candle. Our second candle, the peace candle. In lighting the peace candle, we talked about peace being more than serene images that may come to mind. We talked about how peace comes from the inside, that it's about developing that stress-free, calm state where we're at peace with ourselves, where we are content with who we are, flaws and all. We experience this peace because we have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And in knowing that he who began this good work in us, he is able to complete it. Join me in lighting the peace candle. He is, and in knowing that he is, that he who began a good work in us is able to complete it. Join me in lighting the peace candle. Our third candle, the love candle. Love is the activator, the motivator for all. For God so loved the world that God sent Jesus to save us. We learned that love does not condemn. That Jesus entering the world as a small baby also represents an invitation to us. We don't have to feel condemned or condemn others to make ourselves feel like more. Instead, we can receive God's invitation to start again, to be born again, to experience small beginnings. God is not punishing us. God is inviting us to grow in wisdom and in stature, much like Christ. So again, love does not condemn. Love issues invitations. And God is always inviting us to be new, to be transformed. So please, join me in lighting the love candle. And today, we light the joy candle. I saved this candle for today because it is what results from having hope and peace and love. When we have all three, 
we experience not just happiness or excitement. For those things can come in short bursts and then they disappear. No, joy is having a deep sense of well-being. Joy is being grounded in that sense of well-being that is not moved by events or situations. Joy stays with us and sustains us. Joy, joy to the world. Our Lord has come. That's never going to be taken from us. We experience hope. We experience hope when our need for a Savior was met by God. We have peace. God is going to finish God's work in us. We have love. God isn't condemning us, but inviting us to shuck off all the weights that hold us back so we can be all God has created us to be. Because of joy, we are rooted and stable on the inside, so we can be rooted and stable on the outside. Joy to the world. Jesus is here with us in intimacy to partner with us in life. What an amazing God we serve. What amazing grace we have. What incredible joy God gives. Join me in lighting the joy candle. Our Advent reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 4, and verses 6 and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let us begin our responsive reading. 
our responsive prayer. An Advent Joyful Praise Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. God, we placed our hope in your promise to save. We praise you for fulfilling your promise by sending your son to the earth to be with us. Community, our hope is in you, O oh God. We sing praises to you. Our hearts are filled with joy and thanksgiving. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. We have peace knowing that you will finish the work of transforming us to be like Jesus, our Savior. Community, you are our peace, O oh God. We sing praises to you. Our hearts are filled with joy and thanksgiving. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. We know love now, love that invites us to learn and grow and enjoy life together with God and all of creation. Community, thank you for loving us, O oh God. We sing praises to you. Our hearts are filled with joy and thanksgiving. Together, our God, it's our turn to proclaim Joy to the world. We get to tell everyone the Lord has come. And we get to share that no one is condemned. There is enough hope, peace, love, and joy for us all. Thank you, God, for allowing us to share your story with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm reading from Luke 1, verse 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in good my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now, on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mightily deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thorns, thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Unto us a child is born. These are wonderful, magnificent words. Unto us a child is born. When they were first read long ago, the people didn't understand them as words spoken about God as Jesus coming into the earth to save us. Now, don't get me wrong. The people of that time needed a savior. These words were spoken uh, to the southern kingdom 
called Judah, as they were being pressured by the northern kingdom, Israel, and Syria to join with them so they could fight against Assyria. Ahaz was the king of Judah at the time. He didn't want to go against Assyria, so he sent the Assyrians a large sum of money and a request to help, for help, um, because he wanted Assyria to help protect Judah from Israel and Assyria. When these words were written, Judah was under extreme pressure and the people lacked hope and faith in their God. But God had Isaiah bring them a message of hope, not just once, but twice. In Isaiah 9, where we find the words, unto us a child is born. And also in Isaiah 7, verse 16, and it reads, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And we know that that means God with us. Both passages speak of the miraculous birth of a child. For the people long ago, it was a word to let them know that God indeed was watching and that God hadn't forsaken them. It was a promise that the day was coming when the northern kingdom and Syria would fall. So they didn't need to fear. For us, it's a messianic prophecy, a foretelling of the Son of God. For unto us a child is born. We hear these words and we celebrate the birth of Christ. But these words, again, for unto us a child is born, makes this season more than a holiday that is, should be celebrated or is to be celebrated by Christians. I have to ask, who's the us that this text is referring to in Isaiah 9? For unto us a child is born. We take the us and we make it simply believers. For unto believers, this child was born. But the context in which these words were written describes the us very clearly and differently. If we go back up to verse 2 in Isaiah 9, we find out who the us or the us's are. It reads, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That's who the us's are. The people walking in darkness. The people living in the land of deep darkness. They are the unto us. A child is born. They are people who are surrounded by darkness. Now, this darkness isn't referring to the absence of illumination that allows us to see. It's a different kind of darkness. And let me try to explain it this way. 
Have you, uh, have you ever had someone try to explain something to you, but you just didn't get it? People around you can see it or understand it, but you don't. Let's use opt optical illusions as an example. Have you ever seen the picture of uh, the tree? Now, all you see is the tree, but you're told that there's at least 10 faces in the branches of the tree. You can't see any of them. All around you folks are shouting out the different number of faces that they can make out and see. But you keep turning the paper this way, you turn the paper that way, and you don't see anything. That's an example of the people being in darkness. People moving about this way and that way and just not getting it. So let's move our example to real life. People living in darkness can't see racism, can't see genderism, can't see how misogyny is suffocating the life out of their moms their wives, their daughters, can't see the impact of ageism on our seniors who still need quality employment so they can have food and shelter security. People moving about and living in a land of deep darkness. They don't see hunger next door. They don't see the hunger down the street. They don't see the hunger that's happening all around our country. They don't see the privilege involved in not working in the service industry and don't want to assist those who have lost their jobs during COVID with financial support. They don't see the importance of the government coming in and helping to assist these individuals. And maybe the truth is we don't, or we never really saw them. We just expect that they'll be there when we're ready for them. People walking and living in darkness. People not getting it. To those people, a great light has shone. A light greater than the light of their darkness is shining. Something that is distinguishable from the norm is happening. What's the point? Before you can get to the unto us a child is born, you got to come to accept that you and I were walking in darkness. You and I had to and still have to accept that there are things we don't get. See, if you and I don't acknowledge that, then there's something wrong. Because we were walking and living in darkness and then God's light started shining and we started seeing, beginning to get an understanding about some things that we didn't get or didn't see before. And now we have to acknowledge the darkness. Because only in acknowledging the darkness can we then accept and receive the light. But there seems to be a whole bunch of Christian folk who still don't get a whole bunch of stuff. So what's the deal with that? 
do they not get it or are they refusing to get it? Now, what I'm about to say may knock right up against the door of what I said last week when I said love doesn't condemn. Please listen to me carefully. Love still does not condemn. Love issues invitations so we can grow. So here's an invitation. The Gospel of John in John 3, verse 19, shed some light on my, what's the deal with that question? And uh, it, it speaks very plainly. I wish to a certain extent it said it nicer, but it says it plain. And here's the answer to that question. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. When John speaks of deeds, he's not just talking about the actual things we do, but the motivations behind them. John includes how we think about life and engage life when he says their deeds are evil. So when John says because their deeds are evil, it implies that there is a selfishness in the way folks live their lives for evil gain, for selfish gain. So just so we're clear about who I'm talking to, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Christian community. I'm talking about folks who call ourselves Christians. We're Christian folks. Some of us spend a lot of time talking about how we need to take the light of the gospel to somebody or to some location. We got to take it to the city, to the poor, to the jungle, to an island, to the center down the street. We name the people and the locations. And when we talk about them, we talk about how dark they are or how dark it is where they are. But I get confused by that. You see, it seems mighty dark where many of us are in many of our Christian communities. But when we talk about folks who we think need the light of the gospel, sometimes what I hear is people talking about groups they don't like or they're afraid of. And it seems like the measure of how much those people or groups need the gospel is based on how much they fail to conform to us or to the ways we want things to be or them to act, to our norms. But we have to remember this based on the scripture in Isaiah 9, verse 2. Our norm was walking and living in darkness. So we are all equal. Other people, other folks, don't need the light of the gospel more than you and I do. We have all been, and in some areas of our lives, remain people walking and living in darkness. In these last four or five years alone, we've seen some really dark clouds in the Christian community. Hatred has abounded. I have heard too many Christian people 
when talking about black people being killed by police, I've heard them blame the black person who was innocent. They should have, they should have, they should have, instead of these situations that these officers were in did not warrant them pulling the trigger. To me, that speaks of hatred, of some deep-seated hatred, and that's within the Christian community. The racism, doubling down on systems of favor and privilege, the homophobia, the deep desire to control others, and I could go on and on. It's unto us this child is born because we all need him. We have to acknowledge our darkness because if we don't acknowledge it, then there's no need for Jesus. We'll keep running around in the dark, calling ourselves Christians, banging into things, breaking things, and killing people instead of being followers of Christ, who with the light that is shown by the sun are able to gently touch lives and bring healing. This Christmas, the church needs to hear this message. The church, you and me, the church, our moms, our dads, the church, and anything that we have to offer against any group of people, be they black, white, Asian, native, it doesn't matter when we do that. We are people who are walking and living in darkness. We have to acknowledge it. So we can allow the light to come. The child the sun who was given to shine light in our lives. Then the darkness will stop overcoming us and the dark clouds will turn bright and we can live in light and we can engage one another in love. Unto us, the child is given. A child is born, or, yeah, unto us a child is born. Let's think about us and be open to our collective need so we can receive. For as many as received Jesus to them gave Jesus the power to be the children of God, the followers. We are followers. Let's follow him as he walks in the light. God bless you. May your Christmas, this Christmas, inspire us to live in a way that brings more hopefulness, more peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. Because of our gift of Christ, the love of God shown to you and me, we can increase the peace and goodwill.
while a newborn softly cried. But the heavens wrapped in wonder knew the meaning of his birth. In the weakness of a baby, they knew God had come to earth. As his Not yet speaking was the word of God to man. He would tell them of his kingdom, but their hearts would not believe. They would hate him, and in anger, they would nail him to a tree. But the sadness would be broken as the song of life arose. And the firstborn of creation would ascend and take the throne. He had left it to redeem us, but before his life began, Thank you for joining us today. It has been a pleasure and a joy just to worship our Lord and Savior together. Um, I want to remind you that today at 4 p.m. that we're going to air our Christmas pageant and candlelighting service for you. So please feel free to join us as we celebrate uh, with our children as they share with us the Christmas story and then as we light the Christ candle together. And again, for those who aren't gonna be able to make it today at four, we're gonna show it again tonight at 7 p.m. and we'll also show it on Christmas Eve. So I want you to be blessed. Have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy your family and the safety of your, your homes or, and um, just love each other well. Hi Mosaic family, Joy Howard here. I'd like to invite you to the longest night service that we're going to have on December 21st at 7.30 p.m.
The longest night service is historically held the evening of the winter solstice because it's the longest night of darkness of the year in the northern hemisphere. After this date, the time of daylight increases each day until the summer solstice in June. The metaphorical meaning of the longest night offers us this opportunity to pause and sit together in darkness that we're feeling. During this service, we're going to worship God together and we're going to share each other's burdens. We invite you to join us in this service to mourn people we've lost in 2020 because of COVID-19 or because of other illnesses, but also to mourn other losses because of violence and the brokenness that exists in our world. This longest night service makes room for you if you find the holidays really overwhelming or if you're just terribly lonely right now or if you're suffering loss in other ways that you can't even begin to put into words. We're going to join hands with each other over the internet and we'll also lift up our hands to God for help and join with our ancestors in the faith who cried out, how long, Lord, how long will we have sorrow in our hearts? You are dearly loved. I hope to see you on December 21st at 7.30 p.m. for this service that acknowledges loss, but also reminds us that at this time of year, there is hope. Thank you.